God is glorious in his saints. Welcome to the Christian Saints Podcast. My name is Darren Ong, recording from Sepang in Malaysia. In this podcast, we explore the lives of the Christian saints, from the Anglican, Roman Catholic, and Eastern Orthodox traditions. Today, we will commemorate St. Martin, known as Pope St. Martin I, in the Roman Catholic Church, and St. Martin the Confessor and Pope of Rome in the Eastern Orthodox Church. St. Martin was born in Tuscany in Italy and was elected to be Pope in the year 649. This was a time where the Byzantine Roman Emperor, who at this time was based in Constantinople, had enormous influence over the Roman Pope. This was also a time when both the Church and the Byzantine Empire were beset with heresy. In parts of the Empire, particularly in places like Syria and Egypt, the Monophysite heresy was very influential. Monophysitism is the idea that Christ only had a divine nature, not a human nature. Whereas the Orthodox Christian doctrine asserts in contrast that Christ is fully human and fully divine. But since these monophysite ideas were popular in parts of the Byzantine Empire, and conflicts between Orthodox Christians and Monophysites were causing disunity, political leaders of the empire were anxious to play down the controversy. The Monothelite heresy was an attempt to reach a compromise position between the Monophysites and the Orthodox, or we call them also the Chalcedonian Christians, who believed that Christ was fully human and fully divine. Monothelite theology stated that Jesus Christ had one will. That is what the word monothelite means. Still, this conflicted with Orthodox Christian theology, which asserts that Jesus had both a human and divine will. Again, it was very important to true Christian theology that Christ is fully human and fully divine. St. Martin, together with St. Maximus the Confessor, would be the two saints most prominently engaged in this battle against the monothelite heresy. It can be hard to appreciate today the significance of this monothelite controversy. Arguing over whether Christ has one will or two wills can feel a lot like meaningless hair-splitting. But one way to understand the importance of this dispute is by quoting this principle by St. Gregory, the theologian. What he has not assumed has not been healed. The he here, of course, referring to Jesus. What Jesus has not assumed has not been healed. 
Jesus Christ had to take on human nature in its fullness in order to save it in his death and resurrection. To deny Jesus' full humanity, including his human will, is to deny that he has the power to save humanity. Father Thomas Hopko explains this very well in his book, The Orthodox Faith. What was wrong with monothelitism? St. Maximus and St. Martin, together with their staunch supporters, insisted that both Christ's divine nature and his human nature each have its own proper energy or activity and capability, power, to will. Christ in his divine nature has the same fullness of the divine will, energy, action, operation, and power which the Father and the Holy Spirit also have, and in his human nature, Christ has the same fullness of the human will, energy, action, operation, and power, which every other human being has. He must have this key element in human nature, or else, as St. Gregory the theologian said, in refuting Apollinarianism, what he has not assumed has not been healed or saved. Christ has indeed healed and saved every aspect of human nature, including the natural human will, because he assumed every element, aspect of human nature when he became incarnate. And it is through his genuinely human action, voluntarily submitting his natural human will to his divine will, the will of God, that Jesus Christ, as the new and final Adam, freely accepted crucifixion to liberate all of humanity from sin and death. Unfortunately, leaders of the time favoured political convenience over truth. In 648, the Roman Emperor Constans II released a document known as the Typos of Constans, forbidding discussion of the monothelite controversy. In order to prevent the conflict between the monothelites and Chalcedonian Christians from disrupting unity in the empire, Constans promised severe punishment on those who continued arguing for or against the monothelite heresy. St. Martin, in his capacity as Pope, courageously defied the Emperor's edict. A year later, in 649, St. Martin and St. Maximus the Confessor convened the Lateran Council of 649, affirming true Christian doctrine and denouncing the monothelite heresy. Let us read now from some of the conclusions from that council. If anyone does not properly and truly confess according to the Holy Fathers, that from two and in two natures, substantially united unconfusedly and undividedly, there is one and the same Lord and God Jesus Christ, let him be condemned. 
If anyone does not properly and truly confess according to the Holy Fathers, the substantial difference of the natures preserved in him, unconfusedly and undividedly, let him be condemned. If anyone does not properly and truly confess, according to the Holy Fathers, the substantial union of the natures recognized in him, undividedly and unconfusedly, let him be condemned. If anyone does not properly and truly confess, according to the Holy Fathers, the natural properties of his Godhead and of his humanity preserved without diminution and without injury in him, let him be condemned. If anyone does not properly and truly confess, according to the Holy Fathers, two wills of one and the same Christ our God, united, uninterruptedly, divine and human, and on this account, that through each of his natures, the same one of his own free will is the operator of our salvation, let him be condemned. If anyone does not properly and truly confess according to the Holy Fathers, two operations of one and the same Christ our God, uninterruptedly united, divine and human, from this that through each of his natures, he naturally is the same operator of our salvation, let him be condemned. If anyone according to the wicked heretics confesses one will and one operation of Christ our God, to the destruction of the confession of the Holy Fathers, and to the denial of the same dispensation of our Saviour, let him be condemned. If anyone according to the wicked heretics, contrary to the doctrine of the Fathers, confesses both one will and one operation, although two wills and two operations divine and human, have been substantially preserved in union in Christ God, and have been piously preached by our Holy Fathers, let him be condemned. If anyone in word and mind does not properly and truly confess, according to the Holy Fathers, all, even to the last portion that has been handed down and preached in the Holy, Catholic and Apostolic Church of God, and likewise by the Holy Fathers and the five venerable universal councils, let him be condemned. Both St. Maximus and St. Martin would suffer a great deal for their courage. The wicked emperor Constance II sent soldiers to kidnap them both. Here we read from St. Martin's own accounts of his arrest. These translations of St. Martin's writings were produced by Professor Bronwyn Neal. Then I went from the church in which the army had confined me by use of weapons, in the presence of the exarch and Theodore the chamberlain and the clergy, he said in a loud voice, May he be anathema, whoever said that Martin changed the faith even by one letter, or is going to change it, and may they be anathema, who have not remained until death in their right faith. And I want you, most beloved brother, to know that you signal about the faith and the false slanders which they bring forward against the truth, that with the assistance of your prayers and those of all the faithful Christians who are with you, both in life and death, I will defend the faith of our salvation. And as the blessed Apostle Paul teaches, 
for me, Christ is life and death is profit. And so I was lying in front of the altar of the church on my little bed, and it was not yet past noon, when look an army came with them into the church, concealed in shadow, all holding their spears and swords, or rather with their bows ready together with their shields. And such deeds were done there as should not even be spoken of. For indeed as these fall, shaken from the trees, when the wind blows strongly in the winter season, so the candles of the holy church were knocked down by their weapons. And when they were cast down onto the pavement, they were snuffed out. And there was heard a sound like a dreadful thunderclap in the same church, both from the clashing of weapons and from the number of candlesticks they smashed. Immediately upon their entry, an order was issued by Calliopus to the priests and deacons, in which the deposition of my humble self was contained, on the grounds that I had snatched the episcopate contrary to the provisions of canon law and without right, and I was not worthy to be installed in the apostolic see, but in every way fit to be taken to this royal city, while a bishop was substituted in my place. That has never happened, and I hope that it never has to happen, because in the absence of the pontiff, the archdeacon and the archpriest and the primicarius take the place of the pontiff. While these events were being stirred up, therefore, what had been done concerning the faith we already made clear to you. But because we were not prepared to fight back, I judged it infinitely better to die than to spill the blood of anyone on the ground. That indeed was done, and without danger, with no few evils carried out which were not pleasing to God. And so, in the same hour, in fact, I gave myself up to be delivered before the Emperor and to offer no resistance. St. Martin was taken by ship from Rome to Constantinople, suffering abuse and deprivation the whole time. In Constantinople, St. Martin was subjected to a sham trial, where among other things he was falsely accused of conspiring with the Muslim invaders who were threatening the Byzantine Empire. In Constantinople, St. Martin rotted in prison, where the abuses continued. Even the Patriarch Paul of Constantinople, although he was a supporter of the Monothelites, was horrified at the treatment of St. Martin and urged the emperor to stop tormenting him. Ultimately, St. Martin was exiled to Kherson, which is modern-day Crimea. This was a backwater of the Byzantine Empire. Here, St. Martin would eventually meet his death. This text, known as the Confessio of St. Martin, accounts his miserable last days until his death in 655. Again, this is a translation by Professor Bronwyn Neal. Although he was in a state of great affliction and placed in exile, the same man, our most holy father, who has often been mentioned, asked for supplies of any kind because of the many frequent 
and serious physical troubles and all kinds of deprivations of that area for the reason that nothing was available there, notably wheat, which existed there in name but could not be found. For this reason he wrote, swearing on oath, that when a boat came there and had a little wheat in exchange for salt, he was barely able to buy from him one bushel of wheat for four gold coins, and this with many entreaties. But his holy soul wrote of various deprivations that he suffered there, oppressed not only by physical deprivations, but also by the evils of the inhabitants and rulers there, such that he, completely destroyed, was withering away in a much worse way, at the advice, of course, of those ruling in Byzantium. And the same most holy, thrice-blessed apostolic Pope Martin, truly a new confessor and martyr for Christ our God, died in the same exile in Kherson, according to his request to the Lord God, which he offered him with tears when he left the boat and trod on that land. That is, that he might end his life there, fighting the good fight, completing the journey of martyrdom and keeping good faith. He was made an example to be followed by all who have chosen to live well and to strive to the end and have wished for what is most truly the truth. By the intercessions of the Virgin and this Confessor, may Christ our true God and Saviour, who proceeded from her, ineffably and without seed, for the sake of the human race, guard us and keep us safe, along with all who listen faithfully, and all people whom he has secured the purity of faith and conduct, in peace and perfect love, and all justice up to the end. To the one who has one substance in divinity with God, the Father and the Holy Spirit, equal honour, the same power, kingdom without end, eternal rule, perpetual dominion, continual glory, the same majesty, through the ages everlasting. Amen. Even after the death of St. Martin and the death of his collaborator, St. Maximus the Confessor, who also perished in exile, the Monothelite heresy ultimately failed. The Muslim invaders conquered Egypt and Syria, the parts of the Byzantine Empire where the Monothelite heretics were the most powerful. Thus, there was no longer any reason for the Byzantine emperors to continue advocating for this bizarre false theology. In the Sixth Economical Council in the year 680, 25 years after St. Martin's death, the Emperor Constant's son and successor, Emperor and Saint Constantine IV, called the Council to settle the monothelite controversy once and for all. And the council concluded with this final defeat of the monothelite heresy. Christ had two natures 
with two activities, as God working miracles, rising from the dead, and ascending into heaven, as man performing the ordinary acts of daily life. Each nature exercises its own free will. Christ's divine nature had a specific task to perform, and so did his human nature. Each nature performed those tasks set forth without being confused, subjected to any change or working against each other. The two distinct natures and related to them activities were mystically united in the one divine person of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. St. Martin did not live to see this victory, but his courage continues to be an inspiration many centuries later. He is celebrated as a saint in every Christian tradition that venerates saints. His feast day is on April the 13th. He is celebrated on April the 14th in some of the Slavic churches. Pope Pius VII acknowledged St. Martin in his encyclical Diu Satis, released in the year 1800. Indeed, the famous Martin, who long ago won great praise for this sea, commends faithfulness and fortitude to us by his strengthening and defense of the truth and by the endurance of labors and pains. He was driven from his sea and from the city, stripped of his rule, his rank and his entire fortune. As soon as he arrived in any peaceful place, he was forced to move, despite his advanced age and an illness which prevented his walking. He was banished to a remote land and repeatedly threatened with an even more painful exile. Without the assistance offered by the pious generosity of individuals, he would not have had food for himself and his few attendants. Although he was tempted daily in his weakened and lonely state. He never surrendered his integrity. No deceit could trick, no fear perturb, no promises conquer, no difficulties or dangers break him. And in this age of rampant disinformation and fake news, where once more the leaders of this world disregard the truth in favour of political convenience. May the example, the courage, and the prayers of St. Martin continue to inspire us today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Christian Saints Podcast. Look for the Christian Saints Podcast page on Facebook or Instagram, or find us on Twitter at podcast underscore saints. All music in this episode was composed by my good friend, James John Marks of Generative Sounds. Please check out his music at generativesoundsjjm.bandcamp.com. Let us not think that St. Martin's conflict with the Byzantine Emperor is emblematic of a struggle between the Eastern and Western Church. St. Martin is celebrated rightly in the Orthodox Christian East as well. In fact, in Moscow, there is a church dedicated to him, the Church of St. Martin, the Confessor and Pope of Rome. And there is an Eastern Orthodox Traparion 
dedicated to him. So let us end our episode with this hymn. You strengthen the church with true doctrines, O godly wise Hierarch Morton. You confess the two natures of Christ and vanquish heresy. O venerable Father, entreat Christ God that he may grant us great mercy. Thank you.